0: Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Well, hi, everybody. It is great to be back. I'm glad to uh, to be here hard on the heels of... um, you know, the full capacity series and uh, Pastor Brian last week, uh, you know, I love the way that, that he described you as a church. He just said, I felt the love from Seven Runs so amazingly. So I just want to thank you guys for, uh, for being such an amazing church. Let's just praise God for what he's doing here. Today we're beginning a new uh, series called Thinking Church. And it kind of might be an odd series to you, but, um, but thoughts matter. We all live out of the world of ideas, good ideas or bad ideas. And, you know, I want you to... to... All right, so we're going to have to do something sound-wise. So you can grab John Wist and tell John to do whatever he needs to do, and I'll, I'll adapt. Um, we all live out of ideas, good ideas or bad ideas, and, and so you need to examine your ideas. You need to see kind of what your ideas are and how your ideas are affecting your life, and you need to change some of your ideas if they're the wrong ideas, but examine them, think them through, um, take the time to, to question things, go to the source Look at the scriptures, compare and, and see, is this a, an idea from God? Is this a biblical idea or is this, is this just culture? Is this just something that, that we've made up? So what is the church? The church is neither a building built nor a denomination created. I hate it when people talk about the church in terms of buildings. The church has never been a building, ever. It never will be. Uh, It is where the church gathers once a week, but that's it, nothing more. It's not a denomination, Uh, so I'm not downing denominations. What I'm saying to you is that Jesus came to bring a kingdom. He didn't come to start religion. He came to bring the movement of God on earth done by willing people, and so denominations are kind of like families, but they are systems that human beings create, and they have their shadow sides, And so I'm not suggesting that that everything is wrong about them. What I am suggesting is that we don't hold on to them very tightly uh, because what human beings create is always less than what God creates. And there's always a shadow side to to us. There's always power and personalities and and the shadows that, that are not the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will follow. So we shouldn't talk first about denominations and 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 make them our object of loyalty. We should make our object of loyalty the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three. The church is the community of the called. Uh, it is it is the ecclesia, the gathering. And and that word ecclesia has has had uh, many uses in 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 ancient history. Uh, originally, in a free Greek city, the ecclesia was the gathering of called people who were citizens of the city so in in a free greek city if you were a citizen and there was work to be done then they would call the ecclesia the gathering and and these people would then guide the city as the called out ones the qualified ones Later on, the word began to, to be used for uh, kind of as a, a synonym uh, for the synagogue uh, of a place where, where people simply gathered, and, and you simply gathered and met, and, and that was it. But, but then the word was, was adopted uh, by the early church and by, by the, uh, the scriptural writers as, as going to, uh, back to the place where, where, yes, people gathered, but they were the called who gathered, Called out from the world, called out from bad ideas, bad ways of living, called out to be the living church, the body of Christ. The church is where the incarnation of Jesus occurs over and over and over again. You remember the story of Bethlehem is the story of of the Word becoming flesh, And the whole Bethlehem story is a story that gets replayed every time someone is born again and and Christ lives in them. So you need to understand that the miracle of the incarnation is, is the miracle of the church. The church is the place where Christ is free to live inside of us. We give him that permission. We invite him in. We tell him we don't want to live out of our bad ideas. We want to live out of the kingdom of heaven. And so Christ comes to live inside of us. That's what the church is. The church is the place where where lives are over and over again, willingly crucified and resurrected by the divine power of God. You see, every day the mercies of God are new, the scripture says. And every day I have to die again. My water is broke. Um, in fact, just about everything about me is broke. So every day and throughout the day, that's got to die. Well, We get into a lot of problems where we simply do what we think is best. Your best thoughts are garbage. No offense. Okay? <laughs> there, there's one place for your best thoughts and your highest opinions. There's one place for your politics. It's on the cross. Three nails dead. And then when we offer up ourselves to say, Father, I humble myself before you. I will not in arrogance declare that my ideas are to be given to you to be blessed, but I will die. And in that moment, the resurrection. Willingly crucified, divinely resurrected. The church is the invisible realm where the will of God is done and the kingdom of God comes so, it's not about robes and titles. It's about surrender and obedience. The, 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 the kingdom of God is not something that you can identify and say, it looks like this and, 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 it, and it wears uh, this name. The kingdom of God is the realm where, where the will of God is done and, and Jesus lives freely doing today what he did 2,000 years ago. The church is the visible reality of the redemption of God. And in a badly broken world, and we've seen this so much lately with the the, the mass shootings we've had, we've had more mass shootings in this country than we have had days in the year. And I want want to tell you that, that we live in a broken world. And the church... Is the redemptive body of Christ that crashes into the to the broken world through high cost obedience? We have bad ideas about church. And when we when we have bad ideas about church and we come to it as consumers or or people who who you know I I come to to have my needs met, that's not the church. We are the redemptive body of Christ that is to crash into the world through high cost obedience. We choose to do God's will over our own day by day by day. And when we fall, we get back up. That's what the church is. So today I want you to to, to begin a new season of us as we move into September and, and the future. I want us to think church in new ways. I want you to challenge the assumptions of church from your past. Probably most of us here have had some bad church experiences. I want you to to challenge those experiences and take them to the Word of God. I want you to to rethink your assumptions about what church was. You may have been taught a certain way about church. You may have thought that your church should basically look like kind of your denominational experience. I want you to go to Scripture and challenge that and see what you find in Scripture. Unconsciously, most of us are looking for a church modeled on the church where we came to faith so wherever you first came to faith and christ came alive in you that's your gold standard that's what you're going to measure everything else against and that's what you're going to come in and say well this isn't like that well of course it isn't like that because it isn't that and and i want you to question these things think them through and I want us to go to the, to the Scriptures, to the Word of God, to start our thinking right here. Today, I want to share with you kind of three broad categories that I think uh, sort of summarize in a great way what the church truly, truly is. What I want you to know above everything else in this broken world is that the church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. There is no other hope. It is not the Supreme Court. It is not the office of the president. It is not the White House. It is not the Senate. Uh, It is not the house that is the hope of our world. There is one hope in this world, and it is the church of the living God, the body of the resurrected Christ. It is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and outside of the hearing of that message, there is no hope. There is no healing. There are no good ideas in the world. Do we understand? Do we get it? Man, this, this is why, you know, back in the, in the church fathers, they talked about the, the church militant, the church on the move, the church that was active in the world. And then there is the church triumphant. And that day is coming, but we're not there yet. Well, we are going to be triumphant on our journey through, through the earth, but we are also going to be opposed. We will also be uh, ignored. We will also have challenges to overcome. But the church is the hope of the world. I once heard a, a man uh, say that there once was a church that changed the world. There once was a church that could not be ignored. There once was a church that, that was literally so hard on the heels of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that it was real to people, that their faith was not a Sunday-only faith. It was a seven-day-a-week experience. And these weren't perfect people. Let's not idealize this to say that people didn't have problems. You know what? Every problem that you and I have now, they had then. Maybe it wasn't complicated by technology, (laughs) but it was there. There was this church of imperfect, broken people, but they believed. They heard the message of Jesus, and it didn't settle in them as church. It came into them as Jesus, my hope. And there arose in them this, this joyful, loving hope that they lived out in radical, amazing ways. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, the scripture says, you know, this is, this is literally, you know, uh, right after Pentecost. This is hard on the heels of, of the resurrection. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and a prayer. They were a part of one another's lives. And they prayed. Oh my gosh. They, they actually believed there was a God in heaven who listened to their stuff. They actually believed that there was a God in heaven who, who could raise uh, you know, a, a man from the dead. There was nothing impossible to this God. And so, so they, they were committed to the word of God. They were committed to each other. And they were committed to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Man, there was a sense of expectancy among the church that God was on the move, that God was afoot, that God was doing amazing things. Why? Because people believed, and they asked, and they trusted. All the believers were together, and everything uh, was in common Together, Uh, they weren't divided, they weren't separate, they weren't critical, Um, there was no racial barriers, there was no economic barriers, there was just broken people who were looking to to Jesus and in awe of God. Guys, I got to tell you, one of the difference that faith makes in your life is, is what are you most aware of? When your faith meter is low, you're going to be most aware of your feelings, your opinions, Your sorrows, your hurts, when your faith is low, you're going to be most aware of your problems. When your faith is high, you're going to be most aware of Jesus. You're going to look to God. Your heart is going to be filled with light and hope instead of darkness and anger. This church was an amazing, world-changing church where people crossed every barrier and they had a new language to talk about the brokenness of life. It was called love. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who who had need. They were a practical church. They looked around at the broken around them and they did something about it. This was not a community of people who met Sunday uh, to get. They, They lived Jesus to give his message. Man, nothing they claimed was their own you wanna, you want to know what what the four letter word that, that is probably most offensive to, to to father God is mine, the one who gave his his highest possession in Jesus, who said, Mine is yours, has called each of us into that same kind of selflessness they Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Do you get a sense of the excitement, of the enthusiasm of this this community, this church? And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These people were contagious. They were infectious. How, well, let me ask this. What is contagious about us? Man, when you walk into a room, what energy do you bring? When you walk into a room, do you bring insecurity? When you walk into a room, do you bring sorrow or disappointment? When you walk into a room, do you you bring uh, tension? When these people walked into a broken world, they brought the hope of the resurrection Guys, I want to tell you, this is a beautiful picture of what the, the, the church is. And seven days a week, they were at it. The, the scripture goes on to say in uh, Acts chapter 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. I mean, every day it was, it was God-centered living. Now, a man was there from birth who was uh, carried every day to the temple gate. He was crippled, and he was a beggar, and he looks at these two guys coming, and he, and he says to them, hey, you know, can, I, can you give me something? And just on the spur of the cuff, I mean, in the moment, unrehearsed, not prepared, um, you know, Peter has this idea, hey, I don't have any silver or gold, but you know what I have to give you? I, I, I've got something that can meet your most practical needs. So, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he did. Uh, You know, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up and began walking. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And the scripture says that, that when everybody saw him and recognized him, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The currency of the kingdom it's changed lives. See, the problem is with us, we don't expect any of this stuff to happen anymore. You know, we live in a modern age and we don't expect anybody to be changed. We don't expect, um, really, we don't expect much of anything from the church. You know, we, we think we'll come on Sunday and, and then we'll go. And, and I don't, I don't want to put words into your mouth or thought bubbles into your head, but what do you think about the church? What do you expect? God has a way of fulfilling expectations. When you expect nothing, it's pretty much what you get. When you you have your eyes riveted on his love and his resurrected son, there is a hope that rises inside of you. Guys, I want to tell you that our God is a God of hope. I don't know where you are today or what's going on in your life, how beat down you might feel, how hopeless you might feel, how unloved you might feel, but I'm just telling you that, that, that God is, God hope, and he is a merchant of hope. I love the way Romans 15, 13 describes him, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, all joy and peace. As you trust in him, faith has got to rise so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there once was this church filled with expectant people living hard on the heels of the resurrection. And I mean, they were living a practical hope out in the world. They were being a part of God-changing lives. and, And the Spirit of God just gave them a contagion. And they changed the world. 11 dispirited, uneducated disciples launched a movement that is echoing through the modern world still. Can I remind you that the church, not a building, not a denomination, but the the church is the hope of the world and God has no plan B. So you and I need to live in hope and we need to live offering hope. That's, that's what your job is, to be a merchant of hope. And, and not everybody's going to accept it, we get that. But in every situation and in every moment, you can offer a joyful, contagious hope, starting at home. Guys, I, I'm just telling you, I, some of our homes are, are pretty dark places. They're pretty hellish places. They're pretty broken places. Now, you may not be the dominant personality in your home. You may not have the power in your home, but you are not helpless in your home. And when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus, you can bring hope home. And that hope will be contagious. It will change the rest of your family. Guys, it took years in my alcoholic family, but, but after, after I gave my life to Christ, my mom gave her life to Christ. Years later, my older brother gave his life to Christ and became one of the, the most amazing Christians. My, my drug addicted brother gave his life to Christ and, and, and my own father before he died, he gave his life to Christ too. It's like, it's like a seasoning that just works its way through the family. So be alive in hope and offer hope to people. Don't offer criticism. Don't offer judgment. Don't give them your opinion about politics. Who needs it? Give them the hope that is the hope of the world. Secondly, the, the, the church is the body of Christ living on earth. Now, tonight in prayer meeting, we're going we're to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we hear this phrase, you know, the body of Christ. I, I want you to... Kind of, kind of bring it, you know, re-examine it for just a second. Don't go on autopilot when you're thinking about the body of Christ, all right? Um, so, so let's think it through. Now, now, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Let that sink in for a little bit, all right? You are the body of Christ, now, what does that mean? We've got all kinds of ideas uh, attached to that, uh, many Catholic ideas, um, you know, many Protestant ideas, but, but, but what does this truly, truly mean? Okay, so the church is the body of Christ. All right, so what does that mean? Well, let's ask the question, what, what should the church, the body of Christ, be doing in the 21st century? okay. Now to answer that question, let's let's go back to the first century and let's ask this question. What did the body of Christ do in the first century? Okay, we've seen a little bit what the church did, but, but what did the literal body of Jesus, what did the body that Jesus lived in do in the first century? Well, he loved and he touched and he healed and he embraced and he... He taught, and, and he was the light of the world. I want to suggest to you that Jesus really meant this when he said that we are his body. And when we come to Christ, we are willingly, you know, giving our lives to him. It's a given life deal. Our will is dead. We're not doing what we want to do any longer. We're crucifying ourselves. We are beginning a high cost journey of faithful obedience. Faith matters. Okay, I want to say this. You got to have faith. (laughs) You can't do this without faith. And faith needs to rise in the church in hope. And, and so God sent his, his only begotten son into the world in this faithful hope and belief that it would make a difference, that it would change the world, and it did. We ought to be in our world what Christ was in his. Seven days a week, out in the broken world, offering um, a, a, a healing touch in a thousand different practical ways, and, and, and a saving truth that, that points people to the hope of salvation. Now, the, the church has become this thing of organized religion um, that uh, is really just trying to put backsides in seats and, um, you know, perhaps be on television or, or, or start, you know, as many campuses as we can. But, but, but the church of, of the Bible is a church where, where Jesus is alive in every believer's life. And seven days a week... Uh, every believer is being to their world what Jesus was to his, starting at home. It's got to start at home. You get that, right? It's got to start at home. Men, especially with you, I'm gonna pick on you for a second. You got to, you got to be the leaders in this, not, not the dominators, not the controllers. But men, if you would just step up and show some guts, if you would just get over being a little boy, Okay? And your wife ain't your mama. All right? Ladies, be careful about aiming that too loud right now. It's going to come back and bite you. But she's not your mama. And whatever wounding you carry from your past, take it to the cross. Meet Jesus there. Let him heal you and let him call you into the manhood that, that he's created in you. And you be the loving leader in your home. You be Jesus there and watch God work and, and change things. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. but in fact God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. So you are a part of the body. We're going to unpack later, um, you know, Paul's analogies about the the body of Christ and and not everybody's an eye or not everybody's an ear and, 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 and here's the way it works. We all want somebody else's gifting, right? I mean, we do. And we all downplay our own gifting. I don't have anything. Do you know what you just said? God isn't good. Okay, well, there was... There's another uh, being that said that in Genesis that was slithering around the garden. I don't think we want to be on his team. I don't think we want to be thinking his ideas. The gifting that you have, and again, we'll unpack this later, the gifting that you have to be Christ in the world was God-designed. No mistake. You need to embrace it. You need to live it. You need to add faith to it and step up and be you. Ephesians 2.10 said, we are God's masterpieces, his poema, created in Christ Jesus. When you think of that creation, I always want you to think the Genesis 1 creation, the beautiful uh, speaking of God, of nothing into something, Uh, God taking utter darkness and speaking the the beauty of the stars and the infinite universe into being with a word. You are the creation of God, created in Christ Jesus. It's got to be in Christ, in Christ, and in Christ. And the problem with some of our thinking is it's too much outside of Christ and not enough in. When you and I think about church from this point forward, I want us to think about church in Christ. And created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared beforehand for you to do. Somebody, somewhere, is depending upon you to answer your call. And if you don't, their life is less. And if you do, they see more of Jesus. The scriptures tell us that we are to be the revelation of Christ on earth. And we wonder why faith is declining in America and people are not believing. And I'm telling you, the reason they're not believing now is the same reason they wouldn't have believed in the first century if they never saw Jesus out in the world. People believed in the first century in droves because they saw Jesus out in the world. They saw his followers out loving in radical, uh, high faith ways. And because of what they saw and they heard, they believed. We feel called to, to live a church that is answering the call to be the body of Christ in a broken world, not focusing first on politics. That's easy. That's, in fact, that's cheap. I'm not saying politics don't matter. Don't, y'all get, you can get offended for other reasons. Don't get offended for that. What I'm saying is politics is cheap and easy. You can throw words at anything, right? You can throw words at anything. It's a whole other thing to get your hands dirty loving somebody. It's a whole nother thing to see a problem in our world and go do something about it. Go be the revelation of Jesus. Go make somebody wonder why would anybody do that? Why would anybody love me like that? At least let your love ignite a question. And then you offer them the hope of Jesus. The world should be seeing Jesus in the world just like they did in the first century. But they should be seeing Jesus in the world through us, each of us. Every one of you who believes is a part of the body of Christ. Lastly, well, so what I want you to do, I want you to play your part in the salvation of the world. Well, Pastor Drew, I have 12 kids, and they're all difficult. And my husband, he's not the man I want. My wife, she is at my job. If you only knew what my job is like. Stop it. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got a past. Jesus. Play your part in the salvation of the world. I, I have a part to play in the salvation of the world. You're right, you do. And what Satan doesn't want you to do is ever get that idea into your head. You have a vital and important part to play in the salvation of the world. And there are people who will be in heaven through you if you believe. And if you'll play your part, God knows what He's doing, He is no fool. And if you will play the part that he has had you to play, then other people will see the Jesus that he sent to die and live. The church, lastly, is the only people on earth centered on seeking the will of God. This is a badly broken world. Does not know what in the world it's doing. Is arrogant, confident, full of itself, thinks it knows, thinks that it can find happiness in in economic uh, success. I'm just telling you, you know, we pray for economic blessing in America. Maybe the best thing for us to happen is we were all just stinking dirt poor again. And then maybe we would get on our knees and call upon the name of the Lord our God instead of trusting in our wealth. Nobody else on earth is going to seek God. Again, it's not going to happen in the, among the political leaders in our capitals. All through the world, wisdom is not going to come from them. All we're going to get from them is, 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 is godless thinking. Where the hope of the world is going to come from is from the church of the living God being a living church on its knees praying to a living God. God. Listening is the genesis of everything in our relationship with God, it has been said. So if you wonder why you're not growing right now, I love that word genesis because when you, again, when you think of genesis, you you see creation happening over and over again, God doing beautiful things and stepping back and saying, man, that was good, (laughs) that's beautiful. The first time God swept his arm and, and, and the, the mountains and the forests came into being and, and you know that we declare in purple mountains majesties, he, he sat back and just said, that's so good. When you and I start to listen to God instead of the voices in our head, instead of our lusts, instead of our fears and our criticisms, when we start to listen to the voice of God, the growth of God starts taking place. And Father looks at us and said, that's so good. That's what I want for you, my child. But here's the way it typically works with the people of God. In Jeremiah 6.10, this is what God had to say to his own people who would be the, the functional equivalent of the church then. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the I am, the Lord, is offensive to them and they find no pleasure in it. Do you listen? Do, do you seek the Lord God? Do you live assuming that you know or do you live assuming that you don't know? That's a great idea that you need to, to take into life. You need and I need. This is, this is the foundation of my living. I begin every idea and every day and everything assuming I don't know anything. But my Father does. And James 1 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give generously without finding fault. But when you ask, you have to believe and not be tossed back and forth like the wave of the sea. That person is not going to receive anything from God. The church of the living God is built on faith. I want to challenge you to begin a new season in your life a season of listening to the Father. A season of of taking every broken thing in your life to him and seeing what God has to say about it. A season instead of listening to your fears and your I can'ts, uh, of listening to the word of God and his "cans" and and to see what God says. Nobody else on the world is gonna listen to God except a humble church desperate for heaven. But there once was a church. It was the hope of the world and beautifully, in simplicity, lived their faith in a way that was practical and real world and life changing and and as beautiful as the faith of a child. So here's what I want you to do listen for the call of God. Listen for the call of God on the church at Seven Run. Do, do you, is there ever any time in your prayer life where you, you pray for the call of God on, on this church, this community? Are you so individual thinking that you never really think about the body of Christ gathered and, and, and you seek God's call? I, w- I want, I want a, a new way of thinking to start to sweep into your life. I, I want you to, to give some time to, to seeking the call of God for this local church. And I want you to listen for the call of God on your life because the call of God is on your life. That's one of the reasons why you're special to me. Because I know that you're of infinite worth. I know that you are so loved that Jesus bled for you. You you are precious. You are holy and sacred. I know that. I know that you have Power in Christ and in your brokenness and weakness there is power that can change the world I know that and I know that you have the call of God on your life that is unmistakable undeniable unstoppable except by you so let's be the church Let's live offering hope from this day forward. Let's play our part. Pastor Drew, I don't know what my part is. Ask, seek, and you'll find. Listen expectantly. In every arena of your life from this day forward, you listen expectantly. You ask God whatever is real and relevant, whatever is hurting and, and you know, hurtful in your life, you ask God and you just expect Him to answer and watch the hope that rises. Tonight we're gonna meet in prayer for the new season of of God's work in the church. And and in these moments I'm just gonna ask that that this place become a you know just an altar of surrender. If you're here and you're you're not yet a follower of Christ, please don't be weirded out by, by anything. This is just people, broken people, trying to be authentic and true and live their faith. But for the rest of us, I'm going to ask that we begin with a, a, a time of listening. I'm going to ask you in this moment, if your knees work, um, to use them. If, if they don't, or you're in a dress, you're perfectly fine. Stay where you are. You're okay. But up here, there'll be people to pray with you. If you want somebody just to put an arm around you and pray with you, we'll be we're here to pray with you. Uh, you. You may pray with somebody in your family. You may, for the first time, one last thing I'm gonna say, I hear people say, I'm not comfortable praying out loud. I don't care. When you use that comfort language, what a bad idea. Look at the cross. How comfortable was Jesus there? Today may be the first time that some of you turn to somebody in your family and you lead them in prayer. Let's let faith rise. Let's pray listening prayers in these moments, seeking our part in the salvation of the world. Let's pray. If you enjoyed today's message, Feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.